This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what player trade in any sport broke your heart? We get into the Matthew Kachuk trade with global Calgary reporter Cammy Kepke and other blockbuster moves that have changed hockey and other sports. Canadian animator Mark Coutier has worked on some of the greatest animated films ever made. He's Canadian from Hamilton and he takes us through working on films like The Lion King, his new movie Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Plus, what's it like to live the dream? Because that's what he's doing. He's living his dream doing animated movies in Hollywood. Pretty cool stuff. Are you okay with the price of fast food, going to Disney, and how about first dates? Online dating makes all of that more difficult, that's for sure. It's all today on the Shift Daily Podcast. Over the weekend, this weekend, hockey fans in Canada, I think, were quite stunned after the Calgary Flames had gone and um, lost a star player and didn't sign. And everyone, <laughs> oh, can you, uh, Calgary fans are so fickle. That's for sure. And so, but the question I have for you is when, when your favorite star player, like your favorite star leaves a team, what is the biggest surprise or heartbreak that you've gone through? 877-399-9898. I want to know calls and text messages. Welcome here. Joining me is Cammy Kepke from Global and Calgary on the sports desk. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, let's just talk about this particular, uh, deals up front. I realize they're kind of Calgary centric, but I think all Canadian teams have been hearing the conversation about Canadian players don't like to play in Canada because of income tax, of course, or whatever. And I think it's worth noting that all players make the same amount of money. They get paid in U.S. dollars, even if they're in Canada. Um, like they still make, like if you make $10 million for your team in LA and you make $10 million in Vancouver, you don't make 10 million Canadian versus 10 million U.S. Everyone gets paid on the same uh, dollar standard. So, um, but you do pay different income tax when you move. So there's all kinds of reasons why. Canadian teams have heard that these sort of players leaving Canada is happening. You know, the threat in Toronto about Austin Matthews, like, oh, when he's done, he's going to go, right? So where are we at, and what's the summary, Cammy? Oh, man, the ink isn't even dry on Jonathan Huberdeau's contract, and people are already saying he's gone and he's a Montreal Canadian, even though it makes no sense within what their competitive window will be. But on Mm -hmm. Friday late at night, it came down that the Flames were dealing their alternate captain to the Florida Panthers. He is now Florida man, Matthew Kachuk, making out like a bandit, a tidy $76 million over eight years. Coming back to Calgary is Jonathan Huberdeau, who actually tied Johnny Goudreau in the scoring race with 115 points, led the NHL in assists last season. With him is up-and-coming defenseman Mackenzie Weger. Well, up-and-coming, coming off a career-high season. We'll say yeah. that. Along with that, a prospect, uh, Cole Schwint, who Bradshaw Living is really high on and a conditional first-round draft pick in 2025. So finally, uh, some a light at the end of the tunnel for Flames fans who and Bradshaw Living, who had a really rough 12 days. That is spinning yeah. straw into gold, if I do say so myself. Well, I believe Ryan O'Donnell here on the shift said the word fleeced when he heard the deal um, because of the things coming back. There's a lot of arguments, and uh, we're not going to get into the the finer details of the deal, but both of these guys have one year left on their contract. Also worth noting that Huberto uh, waived a no-trade clause to come to Calgary. So that is uh, quite telling in the willingness to be a part of that. Do we know that he waived the no-trade clause, or was Calgary not on his 18 no-trade no trade list? list? 
but I don't know which way it goes. That could be. But well, the, uh, you know what? He's uh, you know, let's tee this up. Nine fifteen Mountain Time uh, tomorrow morning. Huberto yeah. and Weger will be chatting yeah. with the media here in Calgary, and I will be sure to ask him that. Do that, please, because I um I did read that that was the case, but it was just an anecdote from from a reporter. So, um, okay. Regardless, the this is a big deal. Uh, it's the first time I think that I read anyway that in a long time or in the history that such a big deal was done. And it's one of those, like, trust your boss, right? Like, show me yours and I'll show you mine kind of moments. Because I believe that Kachuk had to sign this deal, negotiate it with Florida, sign the deal with Calgary, and then trade the deal to Florida. Like, it all, that was, that was some real trust. trade in NHL history. Yeah. And so you have to, that's like saying, like, by the way, I'll sign this deal with you. Trust me, we'll send you, right? Then we'll give you the new job. That's crazy. And it's kind of crazy because True Living was really keen on going out of his way to praise Matthew Kachuk's agent, Craig Oster, from Newport Sports, and say, it hurt, it was emotional, but we appreciate the honesty and the heads up that we got, and they were able to work together to get a good return. I think we're going to have to wait a a while to see who the winner is in this trade, but really both of these teams are able to keep their competitive window open. Calgary's blue line just got a heck of a lot better, especially since we don't know what level Chris Tanev will be like as he comes off of shoulder surgery. And, you know, worst case Ontario, Huberto gets flipped for more assets at the trade deadline. Yeah. Which is a heck of a lot better than coming out with nothing like you did for Goudreau or even a Hall for Larson situation that the Oilers were in many moons ago. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be interesting. Um, it's nice to see there have been a lot of big deals that have been going through the NHL, but it does bring us to this point where the stars leave. Well, I just want to say the, the trail living part, the general manager of the Flames, complimenting Kachuk's uh, agent. I don't want to read too much into it, but coming off the Johnny Goudreau deal where there was a lot of uh, accusations of last-minute counter things and all these things flying around in the storyline anyway um seems interesting that he goes out of his way to compliment the next guy who does a deal versus the other guys who left i would i don't want to read too much into it put too much meaning behind something that i'm not uh privileged to but the uh, i don't also believe in coincidences (laughs) let's put it that way true but the other thing that kind of stuck out to me is that uh kachuk you kind of know him for his brutal honesty and in uh an Instagram live video with, uh, I forget which reporter, he has his big introductory conference in Florida tomorrow, but he did acknowledge that it was on ice and off ice stuff. And he mentioned lifestyle, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, Bradshaw Living came out and said he was really pissed off that the Cal- Calgary as a market was taking so many just gut punches. Like no mm-hmm. one wants to play here. The building's garbage. The media is too hard on them, which I'm sorry. Calgary is nothing compared to Montreal or Toronto. (laughs) Toronto. My goodness. There's like five Uh, people there on the daily. (laughs) Well, yeah, and you're right. That's it. And then, then, I mean, Calgary fans are like, oh, this is the worst deal. Our team's falling apart. And then it's like, yeah, we're going to win. Like it just, that's just the nature of Calgary. It's a lot like Vancouver that way. Okay. So what are the famous people that have left the biggest heartbreak for fans, 877-399-9898. Uh, we might as well uh, acknowledge this one because there's a couple of them. The Oilers and Wayne Gretzky, uh, his combo with Paul Coffey, they were not the same after the trade. Uh, the Kings did well, absolutely. But the Kings also put together a few extra pieces after that, including Kelly Rudy, which was a big one. 
also uh, really random, but in uh, 2015 in Prince George, I played beer pong with Roman Vopat, who was a piece that came back in that trade. Beer pong. Very nice man. Did you win the beer pong? No, absolutely not. I'm terrible. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Broke my heart when Wayne Gretzky leaves for the LA Kings. Saddest day for all Canadians. Uh, That one actually comes from the West Coast, that text, which is interesting, too. Um, We've got – let's go to Evelyn, who's in Winnipeg, and say hi to Ev here quick. Hi, Evelyn. You're on the uh, Wayne Gretzky train on that one, hey? Yeah, I, I am actually, but he he did make a choice though because his wife was American, right? That's the reason yep. why he took on the only King, Kings in the first place. So yep. I understand family came first for him. So yeah, did that I, make it easier for you? Yeah, I, it did because he it, he honored being a family family person, including with his dad too. He had a really close relationship with his father. So basically, it, you, you got to look at it from that point of view. He also had an injury too, though he, he had arthritis in his shoulder too, so he had to contain with that too later on in his career. So yeah, it 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 goes it goes hand in hand. You got to look at your health. You got to look how well trained you are, and yeah. So basically, awesome. I I'm not really too concerned. Also, also I I miss the skaters. I miss the twin skaters. You know Claire Hughes and Cindy Cindy Clawson. They no longer skate anymore, but they will always be remembered for their amazing amazing efforts with their sport. Oh, very cool. I love that, Evelyn. Yeah. Thank you very much. Evelyn's in Winnipeg right there. Some very well-thought-out uh, fan uh, moments there with Evelyn. And a good point, too, in this particular deal with Matthew Kachuk, he did say he was honest. I mean, that's the cool thing about it. He was like, hey, look, beaches, palm trees, yes, absolutely, it's tempting. But that's not the reason why, which is good. I think that that's – I mean, I think you're you're crazy to not admit that living in a nice, warm place by the beach is so terrible when you can afford a beach house, right? I mean, it wouldn't suck. But, okay, here's a question for you. So, <laughs> yeah, Evelyn brought up a great point when you do have to consider, you know, family reasons. And that's also something that Johnny Gaudreau cited in leaving, especially in light of his dad's heart attack in 2018. How do you feel when it's your star player leaving to chase the ultimate prize? I think mm-hmm. about Jerome Ginla leaving Calgary in 2013 to go to the Penguins. He went to a couple different teams in the end, just trying to get that cup. Never got there. How do fans feel in that situation? Do you say, go on out there, go get it, do it because you couldn't do it here, or do you want to? I think it's so specific to the the team. Yeah, I mean, like you've got, it's so specific to the team. I think the course of Aginla's career, when he really started to hit his peak, they had a shot. They never really got a shot again. They were nowhere close. He was such a contributor in the community. That guy, he comes up actually as one of the text messages too. That's from Tina. Um, biggest trade disappointment, one word, Iggy. But I think that, um, I think I find it disappointing because when he went to Pittsburgh, he had a chance to go to Boston, went to Pittsburgh, Boston won, then went to Boston and Pittsburgh won. Like it was, it just wasn't meant to be. And, um, so I, I think that his commitment to a really crappy team for all those years really was, I mean, after Jelena and Conroy and Aginla and the loss in 04, I think that it was never the same again. And I think everyone kind of got that in that case. It's not like that's one of those things where you were so close and you only made it to the second round, so you went to a team that you thought was going to go all the way, right? I mean, Corey Perry is a great example of that. At this point in the career, do you get mad at Corey Perry for chasing it? He's got one. 
I guess. I know it came so early in his career. Maybe that makes it a little bit different, but mm-hmm. I sure, I surely feel worse for an Aguila or a Trevor Linden who never got there. Yeah. But still, both of those people in Vancouver and Calgary cherish those players as being stars in their communities, right? Like, those, both of those uh, players are absolute stars on the street in their communities, even though their careers didn't work out, you know, and, and get the, the ultimate prize with the Stanley Cup. So I think that maybe that's telling, too. 877-399-9898. Daryl Sittler, the Leafs, was my favorite player. The Leafs were my team. Uh, he was traded to Philadelphia Flyers in January 1982. I've been a Flyers fan ever since. And that's from Dave from Winnipeg. What are the biggest trades that surprised you or broke your heart? Um, Roberto Luongo. Kind of a similar story. He had the such a big contract. Nobody wanted it, so finally someone took part of it. And, uh, and then he just kind of went out to pasture. And now poor Bobrovsky's in the same boat. It's these teams like what's one of the things that I I said about Johnny Gaudreau's deal is that um, is that I think he took the deal because it's tradable. I think he didn't get the team he wanted. I have no evidence to back this up, by the way. Like this is just me, you know, looking at things. I think that he didn't get the team he wanted. I think that the money wasn't worth it to stay in Calgary because that deal in Calgary was not tradable. There's no way anybody would have taken it six years down the road to finish it off if he didn't get it here. So my thought was he took seven years and less money because in four years or three years, that deal is still a tradable contract and he could get to a team that he wanted. Well, you did say a deal was in the works with New Jersey and it just came apart at the last second. Columbus called a couple hours later, boom, done. Hmm. But I see what you mean about it being tradable. It's more... Yeah, and so then you got a Luongo where it wasn't tradable, right? These guys, they couldn't, they were stuck in these contracts, and sure, they're making a bunch of money, but they're, I'd rather be playing hockey on a good hockey team, right? Yeah, right. and then you end uh, up in a situation with a lot, of, a lot of goalies, especially where you, when you don't have that salary just hampering the team, you uh-huh. get traded a hero or stay long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, there's a picture that was on Twitter, and it was a mom took a picture of a kid. Kid's in a Kachuk number 19 Calgary jersey, and he said he finally got his his very – he's the biggest fan. Um, I don't know who it was, if it was like a Sportsnet photo or whatever, because it was something in Calgary. And um, biggest fan ever kid uh, has got this jersey on, and he said, who's going to tell him, right? There was a kid a couple seasons ago, David Riddick's biggest fan. Oh, And yeah. his dad posted the video of this kid just inconsolable. After Riddick got traded to Nashville. Yeah. Oh, well, he's getting closer, coming back again. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. He's moved around a lot. Well, Riddick's, the story about Riddick's brother and Harvey the Hound, even talking about losing teams and fans moving on. Um, he was a fan of the mascot and was over the moon when he had a chance to meet Harvey the Hound, which is a really cool story out of the Flames camp, too. 877-399-9898. Cammy Kepke is our guest here, and we have um, a text from Jerry. Jerry says, the biggest heartbreak radio-wise, when the Maple Leafs traded Terry Sawchuk to Detroit, it was 1967. I was nine years old. I was mad at Sawchuk because I didn't understand the nature of the hockey business back then. That's going into the vault. Yeah, I could see that would be devastating a kid to a kid, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, do we have any Nordiques fans who were heartbroken thinking they were going to get Eric Lindros? Mm. and having uh, that whole situation play out. 
there's an awful lot of uh, Nordiques fans that just want a team, I suppose, is probably... Um, <laughs> they just like to have a team back in Canada again, especially with uh, $3,500 university arenas, and <laughs> right? I mean, there's an awful lot of players want that one. Okay, we have one football one for you, Cammy. I was so sad when Dave Dickinson went back to Calgary to coach and left the Lions. That's from Catherine. I mean, no one in Calgary is going to complain about having Dickie back here. He's done wonderful things. You know what? I think everyone here was sad when Wally Buono left for BC. Ooh. We can share our pain. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Share the pain. Uh, Cammy Kepke is from Global in Calgary, and uh, good conversation. I am curious though. Do you have a? Did you have a favorite star when you left before we sign off here, Cammy? That uh, that surprised you the most when they left? That surprised me the most when I left. I had one that I was happy when they left when I was younger. Okay, what was Much that? Much younger and not a professional. Who was that? Apologies then? to everyone on the West Coast who's about to get really rattled by this one name, Messier. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I uh, well, I mean, I think everything in Edmonton was probably mine because I was young at the time, and I watched this star player that I didn't really understand hockey, and I watched him like literally crying his eyes out uh, at his press conference. Right, that he needed to make this decision for his life, and the, it was a mutual decision, and they came up with a good deal, and Edmonton was going to get paid for it, and so on and so forth. I mean, that was that was. And I wasn't even an Edmonton fan, so you know that was quite touching. I think that's uh, the humanity between ho- between hockey with all of the um, press advisors that teach them how to speak to the media mm-hmm. these days. Um, that kind of, I think, I miss that in hockey, that willingness, and that's what I liked about Matthew Kachuk, his willingness to have a conversation. Which is, I actually um, miss the uh, history will be made commercials in the NHL because they really brought that kind of emotional side back mm-hmm. into it. Because mm-hmm. for like a lot of us, those of us who weren't, uh, you know, listening to the radio, being heartbroken that Terry Sawchuk was being traded away, we've had to relive a lot of these moments just over YouTube and seeking them out. And it's a shame that we couldn't see things play out that way so organically now. Mm-hmm. So a little something that's yeah. missing and, uh, you know, having it announced via Twitter with a snappy graphic ready to go. Yeah, it well, wasn't that the case. Right. And um, and when you're um, I think that when you're um, you leave your home team and you go to a new team in the very first press conference, you know, you're going to get asked why you left. I would suggest that it's probably worth the five thousand dollars to take advantage of that press advisor and have an answer ready. And I think that lesson was very much learned. Uh, with this uh, hockey uh, free agency. Uh, that's for sure. Cammy Kepke is at Global Calgary. Thanks for jumping in right after. Literally, Cammy, you have to understand, gets off the TV and runs to the studio and ju- jumps on with us. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is the Shift Podcast. As we look back on our lives, sometimes we maybe have some regrets or some whiffs, if you will, some missed dreams that we didn't chase. In hindsight, if you could do it all over again, what would you do? 877-399-9898. In this particular context, work. Did you miss the dream job? Did you whiff on it? Did you want to chase something you were afraid? Maybe you didn't know at the time that's something you wanted to do. For example, for me, I love retail imaging. I always had this thing. I was like, you know what I really like to do? You know, those big pictures you see in the mall windows. I always liked the idea of designing what those look like. I don't think I ever had the skill, but for me, it was super curious to do it. Well, I want to know if there was something that you wish you could do or you're considering redoing, given the chance, 877-399-9898. We have a guest who not only chased his dream, but he's found 
quite an amazing amount of success with it. This is The Shift with Shane Hewitt. Let's acknowledge uh, Shift Heads, the Shift Head community. Boy, you're amazing. Um, this group of Canadians that listen to this show and, and contribute and share things at shiftheads.ca and, and an email from Alex that came in and said, hey, by the way, I, I, the relationship was a brother, sister-in-law's brother? Yes. Is that, is that what it is, sister-in-law? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So brother, it was one of those complicated, yes. weird. My brother um, married his sister. <laughs> yeah okay and so and this is mark by the way it's mark quotes here uh mark does animation in movies and is sort of now by proxy uh i will call you a shift head because you are part of the family now because well thank you, know, you so there you go welcome to yeah. welcome to the group i i make no promises we're somewhat embarrassing at some, <laughs> some many points in our day um thanks for being here mark now uh let's before we get into what you do a little background where are you from because um, you've got the Leafs sign behind you in your office, so we know that there's a connection there. So let's let's start with where's Mark from. Um, so I am from Hamilton, um, born and raised, um, and I went to school there in Sheridan College for animation. Um, that's in Oakville. Um, back then, it was just a three-year course. Now it's like a four-year course now, and you know. The, bachelor of arts or whatever that is at that point it wasn't it was um way cheaper than it is now that's for sure (laughs) let's put it that way yeah that's so good okay so mark is the reason why mark gets referred to us from alex because we were talking about paws of fury with steve stebbing um the legend of hank and so we were chatting about that movie and then alex said well wait a second i know mark and mark was uh one of the directors on the show and he does animation stuff so Mm -hmm. that was interesting to us because a celebrated canadian why not and b cool <laughs> so i uh so i wanted to meet you and and thanks for taking the invite to be here mark this is really cool um i yeah. i just i i really appreciate that you even went to school in canada and i just yes. feel like that that's important to know that you are working on these shows you are down in uh, los angeles and and you went to school right there in southern ontario i did yeah it was um uh again like i i when i've graduated from there it was always like you know, you, you, you work your summers through college, um, raising whatever kind of job, like money-wise, that you can. But um, I always thought, how cool would it be to be able to pay to – I get paid to draw. How yeah. cool would that be, right? And um, so that was always my dream was, like, to, to be able to animate for Disney the time you know because disney it's like when you grow up that's everything that you you dreamed of because you're you look at it you watch all the cartoons and uh the disney films yeah you know and they were like so cool yeah it would be like oh wow i could of course little did i know disney's not the same disney by the time i got there you know right (laughs) they always say um walt's dead and you missed him yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> you missed the good stuff you missed him yes yeah. you missed the genius oh that's amazing uh, this is fantastic i uh, we went over uh some of your your history of your imdb credits and uh you know your d- director credits is really cool because this is new um yes. and then you know your but your art de- 
art department credits where you're involved in storyboarding and all those things. I'm going to throw a couple of these out here really quick. We don't have to talk about them unless one stands out for you, but I, I want to create the connection for all the shift heads to the movies Mm -hmm. Um, like Kung Fu Panda story art. These are storyboard artists. So planning, design and writing Um, Kung Fu Panda, Puss in Boots, uh, Moana, Despicable Me 3, Lego Ninja. Uh, and then you get into the actual animation department story artist stuff. And this, this, I mean, this list, dude, um, I'm just going to go through about Tom and Jerry, the movie, The Lion King. I will ask you about that. Pocahontas. You've got Tarzan, um, Brother Bear. There's like 40 of these, by the way. Uh, the B movie, Kung Fu Panda. How to Drag a Dragon, Big Hero 6, We Jumped Out a Window. It's the coolest part. Uh, <laughs> yes. the, Grinch, uh, the Grinch from 18, um, you know, Minions and Monsters, all at Rise of Gru. And then here you are with the new show, The Big Show, which is director here on, on the Pause of Fury Legend of Hank. So that's quite the path, man. You've been at this, like, I have questions about animation techniques i have questions about storytelling i have questions about styles of technology around animation like the you've really gone through quite a bit here i i did i i started off wanting to be an animator and um you know so you you spend all that time to hone your skills and then back then we were drawing drawing on paper right and uh so there was there was um the digital age really hadn't come in when I was going to college. It was still you shot on film and then you look at through the movie all that, and then you put it together and you do your sound and you you know you're on a flatbed and adjust your sound and match your picture. Um, that didn't come till a little later, until after I was finished college. The digital oh. age where they could take digital pictures. Right. Um, so the dream was, of course, to be an animator. Um, to be the best animator, right? I could. And so I, you know, you take the first job, you get out there, you do some commercial stuff, you do some TV stuff. I worked on Raccoons, the, the TV series that was done oh, in yeah. Ottawa. That's a throwback. Yeah, that's a way, way, way back. Um, and then I got picked up by Don Bluth Studios and I worked on Rockadoodle. Now, Don Bluth Studios, you probably recognize as uh, American Tale. Um, you know, Five O Goes West. Uh, what else is there that they they did? Uh, uh, Troll in Central Park. Uh, mm. But I think American Tales are biggest one. Probably yeah. that's what but, I would know. That's the one yeah. I know of the list. Yeah. That's the one with the Steven Spielberg um, producing. Um, so I worked on basically a, a flop for them, which was like Rockadoodle, but it was. I knew it was going to be a flop, but it was like getting me into, because the hub of animation was here in California, right? Um, anything up in Canada, you're really getting drips and drabs of movies that were being done elsewhere. Um, so ultimately, I wanted, of course, work for Disney. So eventually, I worked on, you know, Rover Dangerfield for Warner Brothers and then some other, uh, let's see, a, couple of other things before I ended up at Disney and Lion King was what I uh, the first um, Disney film I worked on pretty good start I'd say yeah um, I was <laughs> it was really fun to be dropped in on on a film and I was animating scar which yeah. is I love that character He's such a great yeah. Jeremy Irons bit of a so jerk that, though let's just say call it for what it is bit of a jerk 
Yes, a little bit of a jerk. Um, <laughs> great villain. Great villain. Great um, villain. So it from there, I was there for like ten years. Disney. So does that when you say animating Scar? Sorry, I don't, I don't want to stall you, but sure. uh, does that mean like in all the in all the views of Scar that we saw in the movie, that was your work of Scar in that? Mm-hmm. How does that work? So okay, so usually there is a team of animators for each character. So a team meaning there might be, depending on how much screen time there is, there might be three, four animators on the crew for Scar. Um, there's usually one lead um, who makes sure, which was Andreas Deja was the, the lead. And he would kind of make sure that everybody's drawing the character the same way. So once you've animated the, sh- the scene, show it to the directors, they like it. Then you go back to the lead and the lead would kind of give you go over your key drawings and say, well, you know, give this a little bit more of a pointy nose because that's what he has. You know, um, this is how your this tails, hair your works. Tails weird. Yeah. yeah, your tail has got to draw this way. Things like that. So you go back in and you tie all your drawings down to match what they had. And then it'll go to clean up. So mm-hmm. yeah, so when you say when I say I animated Scar, I didn't do all of them. No, right. But on the team, on the Scar team, on the Scar team, yes. That's so cool. Anyway, uh, sorry, you were continuing with uh, after Lion King and Disney, and 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 the uh, the continued growth of what you found because the list after Lion King. I mean, that first of all, that when that movie hit, boy, that must have been inspiring for you. Going like, I can do this. Like this is my jam now. Yeah. It's interesting because it, when it came out, that was the first year they decided to put bonus to everybody. And let me tell you that the parking lot changed. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Suddenly after that movie, everybody <laughs> was driving in with new cars. <laughs> yeah, not rotten old Hondas. <laughs> no, um, which most animators would be, you know, they're usually poor. Um, but yeah, it changed the, it definitely changed the world because um, it made so much money. And then we went to do after that, like being 10 years there, you go, I went through like Hunchback and Pocahontas. And, and um, yeah. I mean, there's countless films that I ended up working for Disney to, to the point after 10 years, the environment was changing. Um, that's when Toy Story came out and Toy right. Story started CG, like computer generated animation. Now that's when things started to change for, animation in general because disney after lion king each one of their project each one of their features where it's making less and less money but costing them more and more mm-hmm. so they always assumed that powers of b that 2d animation's dead 2d being hand-drawn and um, computer generation generated animation is the way to go so they got rid of everything they got rid of all their desks they got rid of all their uh you know pencils and paper and everything and it all started a whole computer thing which um i i didn't want i had been animating for what 16 years at this point and i reached a certain point where like i feel like i'm watching the movie and i go uh, oh that's my scene oh and Oh, that one right there. And that one over there and the next one, you know. So I felt mm-hmm. like I'm all over the place, right? And I felt like I want to be more involved in the story. Because I didn't 
to, to start learning computer animation means I got to go back to square one and how things work in computer. And these kids who grew up on computers, I'm competing against them. And these kids will like go click, 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 and do right. it very quickly. And animation started to lose its its um, shininess for me. And I thought, you know, what I really want to do is get more into the story of it. Because then I feel like I'm making a bigger difference rather than just acting out a scene. So <clears throat> that's when I decided to get into story. And I went to DreamWorks. And that's where you saw Kung Fu Panda, which is on my list. Um, um, that was four years of story. We went mm. through three sets of directors, three sets of producers. So yet our story crew stayed the same. Um, that's a long time, boy. Yeah. So after four years, we finally got the film done. And um, it is what it ended up being. It was like a, it was such a great project. And then from there, I went to do um, Madagascar 2 and then um, did story on uh, what else is there? Oh, I went on to Puss in Boots, um, did How to Train Your Dragon. But I went through so many different changes, um, different directors, different these things happen yeah, in animation. I I love how you've forgotten about more movies you've done that I've probably watched. That's so good. Yeah, I, after a while, it becomes a blur. It's like, wait, what did I work on after that? Yeah, um, that's neat though. But it's a testament to the depth, right? It really is. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's you see the change, like you're living through the changes of what's happening, and you're seeing CG animation change completely. It's gotten so much easier, so much better. Um, yet. You know, it still has us. Uh, there's something about hand-drawn animation I still love better than the CG stuff. But <clears throat> yeah. So do you? Uh, so do you do? Have you done? I mean, when we're talking about, uh, you know, Pause of Fury, that's yeah. a CG movie. It is. Yes. Yeah. It so now, did you do any as a director though? Do you get down and dirty in the trenches and do some scribbles yourself, or, or do you do most of the storyboarding? Of, I did a lot of boards on it. I didn't do yeah. animation. I, yeah. I don't have a desire to go back to animation because I yeah. want to get more further up into um, not just doing sequences like boarding out sequences, but now directing a whole film. That's cool. Would um, you? I, well, you'd be tempted though. If someone came back and said, "Hey, by the way, we're going to do an old school two D sketched out real deal. We're going to do it. We're going to do. We're going to use all this new technology, but we're actually going to draw it the way we used to." You'd be? Would you be tempted? I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, probably not. Really, um, eh? It's time-consuming. It's um, and <clears throat> reason being too is it's it's. Uh, I feel like that is past. Mm. I know how to. I know how to judge all animation. I know I could go drawings over everybody's stuff. Like that's what we do now. It's like the, the thing about CG animation is a lot of these animators they don't draw. They don't have a sense of of a pose. Um, like animation, 2D animation was always designed around a silhouette, make things clear, make things simple, um, and make it, you know, it's almost like you could black in the whole character and you could see what the character's doing. Mm -hmm. You could see he's holding a pencil or something because it's off to the side. Um, and then 
all the stuff about um, that we learned as 2D animators um, from the old Disney guys was all this history that sort of went away. And so now you have these young kids who can know the insides and outs of, of a computer, but they don't have the the history the the what it takes to make an animate um an animated scene an animated character move in in the way it should right um, well isn't there the magic in animation right because you've got this computer generated sort of we want to look like humans 100 percent natural mentality and then there's this magic flow of an animated character whether that is a mouse or a panda bear that they have their own way to move yeah. through time that looks more natural for the cartoon character right so there is i i feel like i get that that art lost of that that yeah. world if you if you try there's to make it language. too real there's a yeah. language there on moving we're not moving realistic characters we're moving still um animated characters right so um yeah the, we've all have the agreement that we're it's it's not it, it's its own universe, right? Like it's, we're, we're peering into its own universe. We're not yes. trying to make it be ours, which I think is an important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. it's, it's, it's interesting that factor. So that's why I'm, I mean, uh, to go back to paper and drawing, I don't, I don't think I want to do that again. It's, it's kind of mm -hmm. like going back to like, let's say you did something. You On know, music radio is the answer. <laughs> yeah, there you I go. did music radio forever, right? 23 years of music radio and I loved it and it's great. And I think the magic of music radio today has changed. And the way that we used to, you know, bang out the hits was it's the way we did it in the nineties, man. And it was different in the early two right. thousands. And today it's just that, that real art of that has also been lost. Yeah. And then they go, hey, we're going to go back to the thing. Would you do it? And you're like, I think I've gone beyond that now. I think yeah, I want to yeah. keep going forward. Yeah, I'll be your biggest keep, cheerleader. Yeah, I, I want to do different things. I've done that for 16 mm -hmm. years. Now I want to do things I haven't done. That's I want to cool. do films I haven't seen. I want to do things that um, ideas of collaboration with people and, and make things magical and turn things into films that people go, wow, that's, that's incredible. I loved it. I, lo I fell for the character. I was in yeah. love with the character and I followed them all the way through. I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. That's so fantastic. Okay. Well, since we're talking about wanting to do that and you're starting to do that with this new uh, page that you've turned, see what I did there? <laughs> yes, animated yes. Um, Pause of Fury, uh, the legend of Hank. Tell us about the movie. I mean, here we are, it's out in front of us. Uh, tell us uh, why is Hank so cool? Hank. Okay. Hank is a great character because he's, he's basically everybody who hasn't been um, a dog amongst cats. An outcast, someone that nobody likes, whether you don't fit in with a group, whether people, whether it's race or even as simple as on, on a schoolyard and just because of the way you look or the way you act or your voice or whatever it is, you are the person that nobody wants around and you don't belong. So he's an he's a person amongst all of us, um, and Michael Sarah's voice to that is gives him that that um, down home like next door neighbor character, like a person you 
you you feel like you can connect with because he's he's charming right and and he is he doesn't give up he keeps going so it's it's whether you're feeling like a hank character amongst the world of cats or you the other end you are the world of cats who as a dog has entered into your world yeah. and you know so it's all about tolerance right it's understanding mm-hmm. it's um as silly as the movie is it's there's nothing serious ever gets taken in this film it's mm-hmm. all because loosely based on blazing saddles there's nothing in that that's serious right mm-hmm. it's all silly all the way through all the way mm-hmm. from the uh the farting gag around the campfire to the ending of blazing saddles where they break through one set go through another set go out on the street they're chasing down the street of hollywood into the man's chinese theater and have the final thing which is totally away from the whole western mm-hmm. so I like it. nothing is sacred um we just are silly with it all the way but the message is still there the the point is there is still a tolerance for people you know mm-hmm. tolerance for people who are different than us Belonging is 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 such a big word. I mean, it's the core of all things. I, I love that. Thank you. Um, and I'll just bang off some of the names here that are on the show. You got Michael Sarius, Samuel L. Jackson, Ricky Gervais, Mel Brooks, George Takai, uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Uh, he's so funny. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, yeah. this, like this is heavyweight stuff that you've assembled for all of this, and and it's really cool. I, you see, Mark. The thing is, is that um, you know when. When we look at people finding their way, it always inspires me, um, you know, in in such a in such a, a big way. And uh, Eric Bauza taught me um, that you know he's the voice of the new books, Bunny, you know, Tweety, and all those. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you know he's Canadian as well. And he knew at a young age that there was the magic there for him, much like the way that you speak about the drawing. His was the voice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he would see them, he would practice them, he would do them. And um, he knew that he was called to do that so young. And I hear that here with you. And, and I, I find that inspiring for all of us because it doesn't take film animation. It can be driving. It can be anything, right? It could be a teacher. And so absolutely, I think it just, a. The difference is, is that your evidence gets archived on this big, beautiful screen that we get to see. And I think it's a nice reminder for all of us that just because maybe we don't have the evidence on a big, beautiful screen um, doesn't mean that we haven't followed that calling. And I would like to just kind of leave that part of the inspiration for everybody because it's very it's very present, I think, and uh, and and really amazingly cool work. I agree with you. That's a really well said. And, and um, thank you for saying that, Shane, because it's, it's oh, that's cool. I, I think it's the fact that, yeah, it, I mean, sure, there, there's plus and minus to putting up on a big screen and people criticize and people hate and people like, oh, it's terrible or whatever. But it's it's really um, like you said, everybody is putting out. They do something. It could be small. It could mm-hmm. be big. It doesn't matter. But we're making a difference right yeah we are service yeah we have a we have a purpose or a calling or something that's inside the inside us and you know not all of us find it 
but we do find something that we fall into, whether it's even just raising your kids, whether it's yeah, just. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, boy, some of the parents here, they're so much better at it than I was. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you the hardest question of all the questions. Okay. Best cartoon movie of all time. I'm going to say movie. Oh boy! Oh, he's about choked. See, see I told you it was impo- it's impossible to answer. I, yeah, there's that question. I'm like, oh, don't ask okay, how me about that this? question. Maybe not the best because best yeah. is subjective. How about Mark Kutzier's, um favorite? For whatever reason, if you had to pick one, you can only ever watch one movie again. That's not much easier. I was trying to make it no, easier. It's not it's, much easier. You know what? It's it's like trying to pick your most the most favorite film because you always go oh they're like and that one's great too. oh and that one. yeah animated picture i think the one that affected me the most um when i went and saw it and it started to make it feel like this is a different type of filmmaking for animation which was the incredibles mm. um because it it was about a family superheroes but the way things wrapped up it was set up wrapped up and it just felt like a live action film almost in a way it was clever it was smart Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. um a lot of these films just they're a little they're they're very predictable or sometimes they got like so many holes and then they try to cover them through everywhere else but um this one just i came out of the theater going oh man why can't we do that yeah why why we do oh (laughs) that's so good i you know i would and credit to you though big hero six is probably that one for me Mm. because the story of loss and and recovering and grief and inspiration plus there's the playfulness uh there's the layers of the um some of the adults like the window part and uh, when he's, you know, runs out of battery and he sounds drunk and, you know, the, um, you know, the, for me, Big Hero 6 is one of those real ones like that as well, where I left it in the movie going, whoa, that is life altering. That is awesome. That is awesome. And I have to tell you that I, I didn't work that long in that movie um, because it, what, what ended up happening was I came, I went and left DreamWorks, go back to Disney and they put me on Moana, but Big Hero 6 was having a problem story-wise. And um, six months away from its release, they're redoing completely Act 1, the very beginning, first third of the film. Wow. Yeah, it was insane. So it was, they brought in all hands on deck. They brought in extra writers, uh, two extra directors, uh, everybody on on every story crew, boom, we're in there. And we're doing scenes, pitching them, getting them done. And it was just a race to the finish to try to get that done. And they, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what they ended up doing. We didn't, we don't get to see that stuff. Right. And that's the, that's so cool to to hear the end of it. I, um, I, I got to give honorable mention to up because my old man self and my desire for big eyebrows and suspenders. Yeah. (laughs) Give that one a a good vote of confidence too. This is so great, Mark. I know that you have lots of projects that are cooking. I invite you to be a part of our program. Uh, Happy to share your work here all across Canada. We've got a pretty big microphone and um, I know that you have some stuff that in the fall we, we can look forward to talking about and, and I want you to be here and join us. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you. And by the way, my live action short, which is called In the Between, 
will be up in the Toronto Film Festival coming up this year and um, multiple film festivals that are going across the country. Uh, and as soon as it's hit Toronto, I'll be able to hit other Canadian cities. Great. Well, then we'll talk to you when uh, when Toronto's happening. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Great. Appreciate um, it. Mark Coots here. I really appreciate being here, man. It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you too, Shane. Thank you so much. This is the Shift Podcast. This little segment, we want to get your thoughts. So you need to contribute to, are you okay with? Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? 877-399-9898. That's our phone number for you to call into text and let us know your thoughts on these stories. Are you okay with the price of fast food? Nope. Uh, no, no. I'd say it feels like three to four dollars too expensive most places. Yeah. I'd say it. that's the that's a ratio ratio, which does it like three four bucks doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it 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 is a lot. It does feel like a lot. I actually I got Subway today, and I uh, I purposely for the first time I was like that sub costs a dollar and fifty cents more than the other sub. I will get the cheaper sub today. I've never wow. done that what in a fast food place. Happening to you? Have you hit your I, head? I yeah, I think I did. I think I hit it oh, on man. something called reality. <laughs> I don't like it very much. <laughs> well, it's expensive. And it so, so I've complained expensive. many times about, you know, two kids and me, Subway is a $50 journey. Yep. Two kids and I, it's more than $50 to go to A&W. A&W, which I had the um, habanero chicken burger, which was very good, by the way. Yeah, it's good. The chicken is so thin. And the bun is so much smaller; it's tiny. Really, I had a, I had it the other day, and it was about the same. I wonder if they change it on like the special, you know, themed ones, or maybe you just got really unlucky. But it was pretty normal. I guess I wasn't really paying attention to the size. Well, it wasn't it. very thick. I tell you, the chubby chicken was not overly chubby. No, just chicken. Chubby chicken's been working out. Who wants just chicken? I want chubby chicken. Like it just, I, I don't know. I, so this is the shrinkflation conversation that we've had many, many times here. And I found the prices to be a little bit better at AMW. So maybe they've shrunk. I don't know. I'm only guessing my experience would guess that they have shrunk the prices, shrunk the sizes. It's yeah, curious. To I don't, me. Yeah. I think honestly, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. The only one that's consistent is McDonald's. But they slowly raise their prices. I uh, the other day I actually clicked. I've got a Big Mac combo. This is probably like a month ago. I got a Big Mac combo. And I was like, that was like that was like almost thirteen dollars. And I went. I remember in high school getting a Big Mac combo, and I could just hand them, you know, <laughs> a fiver and two toonies, mm -hmm. and it was done. Like walk away. Yep, ten bucks, man. Ronald McDonald's uh, breakfast, even right. Your sausage and egg McMuffin. Yeah, it used to be easy with a big old coffee on it. Uh, so, yeah, no, it drives me crazy. It absolutely drives me wild. It's all getting so much expensive. But this might have broken the record. It's an Aussie with the most expensive single sub in subway history. Jessica Lee, 19-year-old model from Perth, traveled to Singapore for a vacation. But she got hungry on the way to the airport on the return leg home. So she bought a Subway sandwich. I will give Subway credit, by the way. When you're flying, they'll wrap them separately. It really is the best for flying if you want to take some food on the plane. Anyway, she brought a Subway sandwich home, ate half of it, then stowed the rest in her bag during the flight. And then she forgot to declare it at customs. 
Then we came to Australia and we landed and oh, basically I thought the little declaration thing you do for your carry-ons and your luggage or like the luggage that's like in the thing you know so I didn't tick chicken and I didn't tick lettuce chicken and lettuce and that is a nice little $2,664. Wow. I always yep. find it amazing when we would come from Canada to the States when the kids were young and we would have like a California avocado that was imported into Canada, but then you couldn't bring it back into the United States again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Um, $2,664 for a single sub. According to CBS News, Australian airport officials sent Leah notice for the $1,840 fine by mail, and she said she had 28 days to pay it. Lee said in her video, it'll be tough to pay it because she quit her job days before going to Singapore. Oh, no. The video of her story went viral on TikTok, over 15 million views. Thankfully for her, Subway is on her side. They sent her a massive care package with some Subway swag and a gift card worth... Two thousand six hundred sixty-four dollars. <laughs> we hope this covers all your chicken and lettuce needs. Subway told her, which is a nice gesture. Probably nicer if they just sent her the money. But. Yeah, probably. I imagine there's some weird legal thing that would prevent them from doing that. But oh, I can tell I you mean, what prevents 2, them from doing that. Margins. Mar- <laughs> they, yeah, they send her a twenty-six hundred dollar gift card. It only costs them thousand dollars. That's probably so. good for two thousand six hundred sixty-four bucks. That's probably good for at least like a year. Of Subway, maybe a little bit more. How much do you eat out? Okay, hold on. Let me see. Divide it by, let's say, let's say, how many Subway subs? Maybe like one. And then, like, you know, you've got maybe like you have it like twice a week. So you have Subway twice a week? No, I'm just sorry, twice a month. Let's say twice a month. I'd probably go to Subway more often. I'd probably go to Subway more often if I had it because it's like a full meal. $364. Three hundred sixty dollars, yeah. so that would be you know nine years <laughs> worth of subs <laughs> if you want twice a month. All right, pretty good. I like that. Yeah, very good. Um, I feel like we're kind of not really fulfilling our obligation here on the shift because she is from Australia. Oh, my goodness, we almost missed it. Just drive from town to paradise, and you'll see why we call Australia home. Steve texts in, says, KFC has a Tuesday special. The drumstick is the size of my thumb, according to Steve. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. It's a, it's a thumbstick. <laughs> oh! Hey! Are you okay with Disney World, to be particular? Disney, Disney, Disney World. World. Disney it's East. so, so long since I've been. Grade 7 was the last time I, I went to Disney World. It was incredible when I was there. Love to go back and check out all that Star Wars stuff. And uh, honestly, just, I miss roller coasters. I wish there was just more access to roller coasters in Canada because they're so much fun. Yeah. I've only been to Disney World, never been to Disneyland. Me neither. Never been to Disneyland. It seems like the like the one you kind of settle on if you don't want to go to Disney World. You're like, ah, eh, fine, I'll go to I Disneyland. Like the, the dark ride, the dark roller coaster in the mountain, whatever that was. Uh, Like Space Mountain? Maybe, I don't know. It was inside the mountain. It was dark. It was so cool. Inside the mountain? Well, oh, or inside the well, building. There's, or... there's, Expedition, there's Expedition Everest. Is that the one with the Yeti? 
because that that ride's incredible. That's like the best roller coaster in the world. I don't know. It's dark. Anyway, uh, the most magical place on earth was less than magical this week. There was uh, the usual screaming children, of course, long yep. lines, but there was a very special disturbance at Disney. And just so you know, this was the one in Florida. What does it mean to be from Florida? Florida. Straight drip. A massive brawl was at Disney World in Florida. Brawl, yeah, that's right, brawl, was caught on camera, and it was wild. Reports say the fight happened Wednesday night inside Fantasyland behind Cinderella's castle. The person who recorded the video tells Fox that it took about two minutes for park security to get to the scene to break it up, and that five minutes later, county deputies showed up. Wow. Mm -hmm. One man suffered injuries to his face. He needed EMS help. Back in May, a woman suffered a head injury after a fight with a couple during a fireworks show at the park. Wow. Okay. So that was Fox 5, by the way. At this time, it's unclear what started the fight, but one of the participants in the brawl uh, told WDNWDNT. Uh, it began when yeah. one of the people from the group wearing coordinated outfits, <laughs> matching fanny hats. <laughs> yeah. Pushed a member of the other family while standing in line for Mickey's Philhar Magic Show, according to the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> Disney World in Florida, but L.A. Okay, know, yeah. uh, multiple fights between teenagers broke out last week at Knott's Berry Farm in Southern California, which led to the park closing early. Now, Knott's Berry Farm requires kids and teens under 17 to be accompanied by an adult on Fridays and Saturdays. How dare they? Okay, let's be clear. Is Disney allowed the happiest place on earth? It's supposed to supposed be. Supposed to be. It's supposed so to be. That's what they marked. Not it the at. scrappiest place on earth. How no. mad do you have to be to get into a fight at Disney? Like, how over the top do you have to be mad? I think, like, you have to be mad, mad, mad. You've got to be betrayed. Like, Oof. just some, like, that's the kind of anger I think happened here. Like, I'm guessing that uh, the matching t shirts, you know, on one family and the other and there was like a, a, a rivalry like Capulets and um, Romeo and Juliet what's the other Montague 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 like that Montague. kind of brawl Montague yeah and they <laughs> had the brawl yeah. and then there was like a maybe there was a romance thing between two of the families and oh there are many storylines here that could become a Disney movie but I would say this belongs at a bar in Florida not so much you know the the Florida tourist attraction that everybody wants to check Very out. Very good point. Yeah. Unless they were fighting over, you know, beers and $30 beers and stuff. Are you okay with first dates? Uh, I've only ever had like one really bad first date. It tends to get to at least. Yeah, it has. <laughs> even for me too. It tends to usually get to the, uh, like the second or third one, and then it's like a no for me uh, or a yes. Uh, but I've only ever had one bad one, which she took me to <laughs> the Calgary sex show, which was like a sex oh, toy and like a, like emporium. And that was the first encounter with this person. And I'm pretty sure she was, let's just say, gauging my interest, which I don't think was up to her level. And I think mm. that one worked out for the best. All right. We're talking people in body paint sitting on swings. 
from the ceiling. Oh, oh yeah. Like, it's wild. Spanking stations, you name it. Oh, how about that? Good morning. Thanks for listening to The Shift. <laughs> First dates can be as awkward as Ryan talking about spanking stations, but they can blossom into something amazing. Or it can be a disaster. Or in the worst case, you can get stood up and left there sitting by yourself. It's a horrible feeling. I mean, I've never, never happened to me. Pfft, never. And a woman in Michigan took uh, getting stood up very seriously. She's actually suing the man who stood her up for a whopping $10,000. Uh, the court hearing did happen on Zoom, and it was a good one. I feel for the defendant. I, I mean, you know, like I said, it, it, he should have swiped left. Too late now for Richard Jordan, who's being sued for $10,000 after he allegedly didn't show up for a date with Kashante Short back in 2020 in Flint. She says he caused emotional distress because the date fell on her late mom's birthday. Mr. Jordan, let me just ask you this. Are you planning to uh, represent yourself on this? To be honest with you, sir, I, I, I thought this was just going to be thrown out. Uh, it was we had a date, one date and nothing else after that. And now I'm being sued for ten thousand dollars. Todd, you've been doing this a minute. Ever seen anything like this? Um, if I've seen something like this, I've seen someone go to jail. Defense attorney Todd Perkins wasn't in on this hearing, but says the judge has the patience of a saint as Miss Short tried schooling him on everything during this recent Zoom hearing. Do not insult my intelligence as if I do not understand what the word perjury means. Be quiet while I'm talking. You need to be quiet. Mute. Sheesh. (laughs) Okay, that's from Fox 29. In that video, you can clearly hear the bad date guy. You can clearly see the bad date guy holding his hand over his face and later with his head down, his palm on his forehead. The judge dismissed the case and it was transferred to the Seventh Circuit Court on Thursday. I don't know what that means because that's not Canada, but how can it continue in any way? Yeah. What, like, what did she actually sue him for? For like- Emo- emotional damages was the uh, was the lawsuit. But if you look, I think one of the other reasons why it was torn out is that she had filed several other failed lawsuits like quite a few uh and none of them had gone through and so i think that probably led into it a little bit and also i mean look i like we've all had bad dates you don't sue someone over a bad date you learn how to you know maybe not have a disaster of a date next time sometimes it's bad luck sometimes it's good luck but um yeah i bet he definitely wishes he could have gone back in time and swipe left instead of right absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, text could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it could be right there. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to see the video of his face when he received his summons or subpoena or whatever it is for his lawsuit saying, hey, by the way, you know that girl you stood up and never went? She's suing you. That's amazing. It seems see, like this a Donald is Trump thing to do. This, yeah, right. You insult me? This, Sue. I um. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. This is, all you people that are struggling in your relationships, you're trying to think, yeah, oh, man, I'm going to get back in the game. I want you to think of this story and decide yeah. for yourself if maybe it's uh, easier and less work to try to work it out and get some counseling. My goodness. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.